This Moment Outdoors is brought to you by L.L. Bean, official partner of the National Parks Foundation for the Find Your Park movement. In the early days of Denali National Park, which was originally called Mount McKinley, one park scientist stood out among the rest. He was known for his tough, adventurous spirit, groundbreaking biological research, and inspiring communication. His name, Adolf Murray. Aid, as he was known to his friends, wasn't the only person in his family to become a famous conservationist. His half-brother, Olas, was also a biologist. The two half-brothers married two half-sisters, Olas to Margaret and Adolf to Louise. Margaret became known by some as the grandmother of the conservation movement for fighting to create the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. She moved to Alaska when she was a small child, and in 1924, she was the first female graduate from the Alaska Agricultural College and School of Mines, which is the University of Alaska Fairbanks today. We could do whole episodes on all the Miris, but it was Adolf who would change the face of ecology as we know it. Here's Abigail Trebu. and Olas Miri grew up in Moorhead, Minnesota. The town had around 5,000 people at the time with a private university founded in 1891, Concordia College. Olas began his studies at Concordia and finished his bachelor's degree at Pacific University in Forest Grove, Oregon in 1912. A few years later, he was recruited to America's last frontier, Alaska. The chief of the U.S. Biological Survey, what we know today as the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, was interested in studying caribou migration across the Brooks Range. In his time at Mount McKinley National Park, he also classified much of the park's flora and fauna, creating the first record of what plants and animals the park was actually protecting. Adolf, while in the middle of his undergraduate degree back at Concordia, joined Olas in Alaska for two summers capturing caribou bulls for mating with reindeer to enhance the reindeer population. Two years later, Adolf graduated from Concordia with an undergraduate degree in biology. He got a job as a seasonal ranger in Glacier National Park where he spent two summers before heading to the University of Michigan to earn his master's degree. By that time, Olas and his wife Margaret and their one-year-old son Martin were also in Michigan. Olas was turning his field notes from caribou research into a master's degree as well. In 
Adolf stood out early in his graduate program. One of his professors and mentors was Lee R. Dice, a leading figure in the relatively young scientific field of ecology. Before the study of ecology, which is based on the interrelationships of living organisms and their environment, biologists had a straightforward approach to nature based on collecting and cataloging. Little attention was paid to if or how species may influence each other. Murray's mentor, Lee Dice, was one of the first ecologists to advocate that predators in our natural ecosystem are important and worth protecting. Throughout the country, predator control, the killing of carnivores such as wolves, coyotes, and mountain lions to protect prey and livestock, was a common and accepted management tactic. Ecology began to show biologists that every living thing had an important role in the environment, and Dice wrote an article explaining his thoughts titled, The Scientific Value of Predatory Mammals. In 1929, Aide Murray received his PhD from the University of Michigan. He completed his first postdoctoral study on the Isle Royale, observing the ecology of the moose that lived there. It was Murray's report that convinced the director of the National Park Service to approve the creation of a new national park on Isle Royale. In 1934, Adolf Murray was hired to work as a biologist with the Park Service in the new Wildlife Division, hired by George Wright, the division chief. His first assignment was in the Olympic Peninsula, where he recommended that the eradicated wolves be reintroduced into the area. Three years later, Murray began a two-year coyote study in Yellowstone that culminated in a book, Ecology of the Coyote in Yellowstone. Never before had a wildlife biologist in the National Park Service completed a similar study about predators, and it was one of the first true studies of the ecology in a national park. After this project, Murray was assigned to study the wolves of Mount McKinley, where there was another predatory controversy. After his summer spent there in the park more than 13 years prior, he was thrilled to be heading back to Alaska. Much of Adolf Murray's work time in the park was spent out in the backcountry, collecting scat samples, skulls, and antlers, and taking photographs of tracks, wildlife, and habitats. Scat samples can tell biologists a great deal about what animals are eating, and bones can tell us an animal's age, sex, and health. One special mammal he studied was the doll sheep, the only wild white mountain sheep on Earth. The doll sheep was, in fact, the reason that Mount McKinley National Park was created in the first place. In the early 1900s, market hunters were harvesting mammals like moose, caribou, and doll sheep to sell the meat to prospectors and local pioneers. But they were not harvesting animals from populations sustainably and the doll sheep population began to dwindle. In 1906, a visiting naturalist and game hunter named Charles Sheldon noticed the decline and worried about the possibility of extinction. So when he returned to the East Coast, he began lobbying for the creation of a game reserve to offer some protection for wildlife. Eleven years later, Mount McKinley National Park was created, and it was the first national park to be created to protect wildlife as opposed to natural scenery or beauty. A few years before Adolf Murray arrived, the park doll sheep population began to wane again. 
But this time the cause was unknown. A series of winters with more snowfall and colder temperatures lasting longer than average coincided with this decline. But wolves were blamed as the leading cause. The Park Service went along with the theory and began culling the predator population to allow the prey population to rebound. This management philosophy had already succeeded at completely eradicating wolves from parks like Yellowstone and Olympic, but it raised some big questions for Mount McKinley National Park. Should the Park Service favor one species over another? Or should it take an ecosystem approach where all species are treated equally? Predator control management continued. But in the late 1930s, Adolf Murray was assigned to the task of figuring out what was really happening to the doll sheep population. His research revolved around the question, what is the effect of wolves preying on big game species in the park? While he was focusing on doll sheep, he also studied the wolves' relationship with caribou. In April of 1939, he set out into the park and performed field research until October. He estimated that he walked more than 1,700 miles in the park that summer alone. It's likely that Murray was not using the road much. He was climbing mountains off trail, crossing rivers, and bushwhacking through willow and alder shrubs, some taller than he was. In April 1940, he returned to the park this time completing field research for another 15 months. Spending more than a year observing the wildlife was critical to understanding how animal behaviors change through the seasons. So what did Murray discover? His conclusion was that though wolves did hunt the doll sheep, the main reason for the population decline was the harsh winters. More snow means less food availability, so doll sheep would have trouble finding enough to eat and could starve or succumb to disease more easily. He also concluded that predators have an important role in our ecosystem. At this time, in the early 1940s, this was a very radical idea. Adolf Murray concluded that the wolves were actually helping the doll sheep population He noticed that when wolves hunted doll sheep, they only targeted individuals that were sick, injured, or elderly. By doing so, wolves were keeping the genetic population of the sheep healthy and robust. Out of this research came his book, The Wolves of Mount McKinley, half research findings, half field journal. Murray takes his readers through the alpine tundra and boreal forests of the park to rediscover wolves alongside him. It was the first true study to analyze wolves in their interactions with other species, and it was aiding in the beginning of a new scientific discipline, ecology. It was published in 1944 and is still being reprinted and sold in parks today. Other books Adolf Murray would later write included The Mammals of Denali, The Grizzlies of Mount McKinley, and A Naturalist in Alaska. Aid Murray describes one of his favorite wolf experiences in this last book. In the morning, it was a crisp 35 degrees below zero. At a cabin on the lower Toklet River in Mount McKinley National Park, my companion and I started out at daybreak. 
he on snowshoes, and I on skis, each of us carrying a pack containing bedroll and food en route to Wonder Lake along the north boundary of McKinley Park. We were making a 200-mile winter trip to carry out general wildlife observations. Heavy frost covered the spruce trees. At intervals, we encountered overflow water on top of the ice, which necessitated detours to avoid getting wet. En route, we noted tracks of many kinds. Fox, wolverine, wolf, caribou, moose, squirrel, and weasel and gained general impressions on wildlife presence and abundance. It became dusk, and by the time we left the river and turned in on a trail, it was dark and stormy. Then we stopped, transfixed, for out of the storm came music, the long-drawn mournful call of a wolf. It started low moved slowly up the scale with increased volume, at the high point a slight break in the voice, then a deepening of the tones as it became a little more throaty and gradually descended the scale, and the soft voice trailed off to blend with the storm. We waited to hear again the voice of the wilderness in the storm. But the performer was silent. In 1945, Adolf Miri again checked on the sheep population in the park. They were at an all-time low after another severe winter, and sportsmen's organizations pressured the Park Service for action. The extermination of all wolves in Mount McKinley National Park. Though he believed in allowing nature to unfold on its own, Murray recommended that 10 to 15 wolves be killed to allow the sheep population to regrow and satisfy the growing pressure from the outside groups. Even with Adolf Murray's research, predator control on wolves in the park continued into the 1950s. It is thought by some that Adolf Murray agreed to lead the predator control management in order to limit its harm on the wolf population. The last year of predator control in the park was in 1952. Development in Mount McKinley increased as more visitors made the trek to Alaska each year. In the mid-1950s, there was a movement to improve infrastructure throughout the nation's national parks called Mission 66, a 10-year plan to create more visitor centers, roads, hotels, and gas stations, headed by Conrad Wirth, the director of the National Park Service. In Mount McKinley, there were plans to widen and pave the park road out to mile 66, where a new visitor center was being built, as well as building a hotel and gas stations out near the end of the park road at Wonder Lake, 85 miles in. Adolf and Olas Miri were very opposed to these developments. In 1958, as road construction had started, Adolf argued that it damaged the purity of wilderness atmosphere. Construction of the visitor center at Mile 66 began two years later, which Murray called a monstrosity and Dairy Queen because of how it stood out on the tundra landscape. Olas warned, the National Park Service will not serve its purpose if we encourage the visitor to hurry as 
fast as possible for a mere glimpse of scenery from a car and a few snapshots. The Park Service responded by saying, The road must be widened to minimum safety standards due to increased visitation. In the spring of 1963, Murray and a group of other conservationists retaliated. They published an entire issue of National Parks magazine dedicated to Mount McKinley, arguing through multiple essays and articles that the new road would not allow visitors to receive full enjoyment and that it was a detriment to the park. Construction continued in the park. And in July 1965, Adolph Murray wrote another article for the National Parks magazine calling on conservationists to write to officials expressing their concern about the park road. Replies flooded in, which triggered interagency correspondence. Two months later, construction slowed and finally stopped. The Park Service had constructed 15 miles of pavement and 30 miles of road widening. It was through these efforts to protect the character of the park's wilderness that Aid Murray became known as Denali's Wilderness Conscience. He retired from the Park Service in early 1965 and received the highest honor in the Department of the Interior, the Distinguished Service Award, recognizing his cutting-edge ecological studies, passion for proper park management, and dedication to the conservation values in Denali and other national parks across the country. Margaret and Olas had moved to Jackson Hole, Wyoming in 1927. Olas was studying the elk populations in the Teton Mountains. In 1937, he became a member of the Wilderness Society Council, and only eight years later became the director. He lobbied against the construction of dams in Glacier National Park and helped drive the movement to create the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge in Alaska, a 9 million acre ecosystem bordering the Arctic Ocean. Adolph and Louise, along with Olas and Margaret, purchased a ranch in Moose, Wyoming in 1945. Today, it's home to the Teton Science Schools, whose mission is to inspire curiosity, engagement, and leadership through transformative place-based education. In Denali, the Murray Science and Learning Center was dedicated to Adolf Murray in 2004. It's the hub for science communication and education in the park. In the summer, the center hosts a park scientist weekly to share their research conclusions with local employees and visitors. Together, the center and the scientists carry on Murray's legacy of communicating scientific findings directly with the public. Today, the park road in Denali is 92 miles long, and the first 15 miles of paved road are the only areas visitors are allowed to take a personal vehicle. The rest of the road is still gravel. Today, it's traveled by bus via shuttle system that was put in place in 1972 to keep the park as wild as possible. This episode of America's National Parks was hosted by me, Jason Epperson, narrated by Abigail Trebu, and written by Lindsay Taylor, whose blog, The Curiosity Chronicles, follows her adventures around the world. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search National Park Podcast. You can also join our America's National Parks Facebook group, 
We'll link to all of our social media, as well as National Park Service resources, music credits, and more in the show notes at nationalparkpodcast.com. If you're interested in RV travel, give us a listen over at the RV Miles podcast. You can also follow Abigail and me as we travel the country with our three boys at ourwanderingfamily.com. This land is your land. This land is my land. From California to the New York Island. From the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters This land was made for you and me Today's show was sponsored by L.L. Bean. Follow the hashtag BeAnOutsider and visit LLBean.com to find great gear for exploring the national parks.